Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. Two of Arizona's biggest utilities are planning changes to how they generate power, and they're asking the state to approve higher electricity rates for their customers. This week, we talk about the move toward more renewable energy and hear from those who say the shift isn't happening fast enough. Arizona Public Service recently announced that the utility, which serves about 1.2 million customers, will transition to 100% carbon-free energy by 2050. That's a big change for a company that has previously fought requirements to get more of its electricity from renewable sources. Brad Alpert, the vice president of resource management for APS, explained why they're making this change now. We just thought the time was right, and I think there's a couple of factors that came together, Chris, and including how we have uh, been carefully monitoring the cost-effectiveness of renewable technologies and additionally energy storage technologies, both of which have been falling in price over the past several years, and we feel like it has finally reached a price point where we can carry out a very very ambitious clean energy plan while still, um, importantly, protecting the affordability of our product for our customers. I know our listeners are going to think back two years to Prop 127, which would have required 50% renewables by 2030. APS spent a lot of money opposing it. Why did you oppose it and why the change two years later? We really opposed it for a couple of key reasons, and and I think the key word here is flexibility, that Prop 127 would have um, embedded some provisions in the state constitution that would have made it very difficult to carry out this ambitious clean energy plan in an affordable way for our customers. And we really think that the flexibility of doing it in the way that we are envisioning is just a key attribute to addressing what we think are really two uh, key pillars of our clean energy plan. And um, those two key pillars are we have to maintain the reliability of our service for our customers. And we know our customers, particularly on those hot summer days, they depend upon our product. Uh, And so reliability is critical. But the second critical pillar is affordability and being able to accomplish this in a flexible way such that we can adapt to the twists and turns in the road that we're inevitably going to face and maintain affordability of our product for our customers. So this move to carbon-free by 2050, is this a change in thinking for the company and the industry? We, we are hearing more companies looking at this. It, it's it's uh, certainly part of a national trend, and I think we are at the forefront of that trend with the aggressive uh, targets that we have uh, that we've set forth. So we have the end goal of carbon free in 30 years. Obviously, you don't uh, pick that plan up in 29 years and six months. What's the timeline to get that phased in? So there's a couple of interim targets that we've established. But, but Chris, it's going to take a continual march over the next 30 years. 
our interim target that we've established, there's a couple of them that are in the 2030 type time frame. And the first is to have 45% renewable energy on our system uh, by the year 2030. The second part is uh, retiring our remaining coal generation in the year 2031. How much of a role will Palo Verde, uh, your big nuke plant, play in this? Because in the 2018 annual report, we saw that Palo Verde is expected to really only have about 23 years of usefulness left, and that obviously falls short of 2050. Palo Verde uh, and the nuclear the nuclear generating station is absolutely critical to achieving the longer term goals. It's a big part of our how we serve our customers today and produces over 25% of our energy that we serve our customers with on an annual basis. Chris, you're exactly correct that the current operating licenses for the Palo Verde Nuclear Generating Station expire in the 2045 to 2047 type time frame. But part of our evaluation will also be, um, and we don't need to tackle this right now, but in the coming years, of uh, does it make sense to uh, extend the operating life and ask the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for an extension to the operating license? for Palo Verde so we can keep bringing our customers the benefit of that, uh, you know, reliable and clean generating source. To extend the life of the plant, is that just a paper sign-off from the federal government, or do you have to add new fuel and things like that, or potentially expand it? It would not necessarily involve expansion of the power plant, but it is more than just adding more fuel to it. The way a nuclear power plant works, we're in a constant uh, replenishment cycle on uh, the fuel that is used to generate the electricity, meaning each of the generating units there comes offline for an outage essentially every 18 months and replaces one-third of the fuel. And so that's a continual process. However, to extend the operating life of, uh, of that plant is more than just a paper exercise with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. We have to assure them that the state of the equipment, the maintenance activities that we've done, as well as the um, life of all of the component parts of the plant will support safe operation beyond the current uh, lifetime. We're talking with Brad Albert. He's the Vice President of Resource Management for APS. You mentioned earlier the goal of 45% renewable by 2030. Where does that renewable energy come from? Our expansion of renewable energy um, in the next 10 years just to get to the 2030 goal is going to be on the order of several hundred megawatts a year. The benefit that we have in Arizona is we are one of the sunniest states, if not the sunniest state in the the United States. So you can bet on the fact that a large part of that will come from solar energy. But we also expect wind energy to play a role in that expansion. You mentioned earlier with regard to renewables, part of what's making this possible is storage, changes in technology. So will you all be buying and putting in more storage, or is that going to be marketplace-driven? We will be, uh, by necessity, um, adding energy storage to our portfolio over this time frame also. Um, 
and, and, and you know, we all know that the sun doesn't shine 24 hours a day. Um, if it did, it would, it would be much easier. Uh, but we've got to have sufficient capability to serve our customers during those critical late afternoon, early evening hours. And if you think of a hot summer day um, in July or August, our customers' peak demand period is really somewhere in the 6 to 7 p.m. time frame when the sun is low, if not already set. And so having the capability to uh, be able to store solar energy, for instance, in the middle of the day, and then be able to utilize it to meet that customer peak demand period in the early evening hours is, uh, in my mind, a critical piece of the puzzle. APS is currently looking for a rate increase of about 5.5% for the average household. What are you hoping that rate increase covers? The rate increase that we're asking for right now is really a reflection of investments that we've already made in serving our customers, uh, including how we've had to expand um, our distribution system to meet all of the people that are moving into our service territory. And we're seeing a fairly significant amount of uh, new customer additions every year. And obviously, that takes investment in new wires and transformers and meters and that type of thing to serve those customers. What's the plan for APS for keeping those rate increases at or below the level of inflation? We believe it is possible uh, to achieve the clean energy targets that we have set forth and maintain our, our customer rate increases to an affordable level below the rate of inflation. APS and your parent company, Pinnacle West, caught a lot of heat after the last campaign season for being pretty active financially. Are you all going to be active, do you know, in the 2020 and 2022 races? Our um, new CEO, Jeff Goldner, was in front of the Arizona Corporation Commission and um, indicated to the commission that we would not be participating uh, in um, commission election processes um, and so we have made that statement publicly. I appreciate your time and sitting down with us. You are ever so welcome. That was Brad Albert, Vice President of Resource Management for Arizona Public Service. Tucson Electric Power is also working towards generating energy with less carbon-intensive sources. But that plan has a cost, some of which TEP is trying to recoup by raising its rates. The utility has spent the past month making its case for the rate hike to the Arizona Corporation Commission. AZPM's Jake Steinberg reports the proposal has animated groups who say TEP has been putting its money in the wrong places. The public hearings for TEP's new rates brought protesters out to the Arizona State Building in downtown Tucson in mid-January. TEP has applied to raise its residential electricity rates by about 7%. In their filings with the Corporation Commission, TEP says the Tucson Metro is growing at the same time as its customers are being more energy efficient, i.e. spending less on their electricity. That means they have to meet a higher demand with less revenue. But this group of protesters is upset over more than just their electricity bill. Stella Heflin is with Arizona Youth Climate Strike. Tucson Electric Power is 
making a conscious decision to continue investing in fossil fuels. And we need to be having a clean energy transition immediately. Heflin and other protesters are here to say the public shouldn't have to pay for what in their eyes is ultimately more of the same. TEP has made some big investments recently. Last year, it purchased a unit at the natural gas-fired Gila River Power Station and installed new natural gas generators at the Sunt Generating Station in Tucson. TEP spokesman Joseph Barrios says these resources are helping the utility phase out coal and reach its goal of getting 30% of its energy from renewable sources by 2030. The resources that we're talking about in this rate proceeding, those very well might be the last thermal systems that we invest in. Moving forward, you know, we expect to invest in more renewables and, and, and storage. Natural gas is cleaner than coal, but it's not carbon free and definitely not renewable. Barrios says it's part of TEP's carbon reduction plan because it can provide stability to the grid as more renewable energy sources come online. Solar panels and wind turbines don't always generate power when people need it. And Barrios says battery storage is still far more expensive than natural gas. DEP's plans are similar to utilities across the country. Use natural gas as a so-called bridge fuel until renewable energy and battery storage come down in price. It's part of a long-term plan. We understand that they want more renewables, they want more wind and solar, and we want the same thing and we are working to achieve that. But many environmentalists are criticizing that approach. New gas infrastructure locks in carbon emissions for decades to come, making it more difficult to reach goals set by the Paris Climate Agreement. That's according to a report released last year by the pro-clean energy group Oil Change and endorsed by groups like the Sierra Club and the Center for Biological Diversity. They say TEP is being short-sighted. It's not even a long-term plan. It's a short-term band-aid. Catalina Ross is with the Sierra Club in Tucson. She says renewables are quickly becoming price competitive, and investing in fossil fuels might actually end up costing ratepayers more down the line. People tend to think of fracked gas as a bridge fuel, and while it's true that it can be more flexible, it's just not necessary. A report released last year by the nonprofit Rocky Mountain Institute found 90% of gas plants being built today will cost more to operate compared to clean energy sources by 2035. Ross says TEP is also delaying carbon and cost savings by continuing to operate a coal plant in eastern Arizona, which it doesn't plan to retire until 2045. Barrios, the TEP spokesman, says the utility did evaluate the cost of going all in on solar and battery storage, but the proposals it received would have led to greater rate hikes for customers. It would cost twice as much uh, to build that system and it wouldn't provide all of the services that we actually need to continue providing power to customers. He says TEP has more renewable energy coming online this year than ever before. But as a utility, providing reliable power is their number one priority. And natural gas is the cheapest and most reliable way to get off of coal. For The Buzz, I'm Jake Steinberg. The testimony in TEP's rate hike case with the Corporation Commission wraps up this week. Many stakeholder groups that are parties to the case, including the Commission's own Utilities Division, recommend an increase that is far less than what TEP is requesting. This week, we're looking at some shifts within the state electric industry towards more renewable energy. 
Chris Mays served as an Arizona Corporation Commissioner from 2003 to 2010. During that time, she co-authored Arizona's Renewable Energy Standard, which required utilities to get 15% of their power from renewable sources by 2025. Mays is a sustainability expert, renewable energy advocate, and professor at Arizona State University. She says the 15% renewable energy goal for utilities, which hasn't changed since it was introduced, was a good start in the early 2000s. But the state is long past due to increase that requirement to at least 50%. You know, at the time when we established the 15% renewable energy standard, it was a pretty ambitious goal. It certainly was... Uh, you know, within uh, the range of what uh, a number of different states were thinking about doing at the time. And the great thing about our renewable energy standard was that we put a specific focus on, you know, telling the utilities they needed to, to help people do rooftop solar. So of that 15%, uh, 30% has to come from rooftop solar. And that was at the time the most ambitious uh, distributed generation or rooftop solar carve-out that any state had done. So it was pretty good at the time, but clearly uh, it's time to go to a much higher, much more ambitious level. And I think 50% is the right uh, target. needs to be a standard. We need to tell the utilities they have to do this, um, and we need to give the utilities a timetable upon which to do it. APS recently announced that it plans to go 100% carbon-free by 2050. Were you surprised? Well, I'm not surprised that APS decided to go to 100% carbon-free, and they've also announced a 45% renewable energy goal uh, by the year 2030. Um, But it was way past time for APS to make that move. And quite frankly, TEP needs to do something similar uh, quickly. The TEP is now behind uh, the other utilities in that regard. Um, You know, renewable energy is the uh, cheapest form of electricity that that we can uh, use uh, now. And so to do anything other than clean energy is to basically cheat consumers of cheap sources of energy. And we also know we have a problem with carbon emissions in this country, in our state. This is something we absolutely have to do from a climate change standpoint. So it's not it's not surprising to see the utilities start moving in this direction. Quite frankly, they're a little bit uh, uh, lagging uh, our surrounding states and APS, unfortunately, for the last 10 years uh, spent a lot of time and, and money fighting uh, clean energy. I'm very glad to see them move off of that. They got a new CEO, a uh, new leadership that I think is finally, after a decade, responding to the desires of their customers. Yet we still hear some utility companies say they need to stay on coal, they need to stay on natural gas because it's reliable, that the renewables just aren't reliable or it's too expensive to store that energy. It doesn't sound like you buy those arguments. No one should buy those arguments. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's certainly uh, not something that is fair to ratepayers to uh, for these utilities to continue to rely on coal and, for that matter, uh, natural gas. I mean, I don't think any utilities should be thinking about making additional 
fossil fuel purchases going forward. I think we have plenty of gas in our system already. Um, and to make additional uh, coal or natural gas purchases, we know renewable energy is a cheaper source of, of electricity, is really to condemn all of their consumers to having to pay higher prices and pay for stranded assets in the future. So no regulator in their right mind would allow utilities like TEP and APS to continue investing in coal. And I think that's why APS, at least, has made the announcement that they intend to get out of all of their coal plants by the year 2031. We've seen proposals come out of the ACC uh, in 2018, the idea of raising state renewable energy standards to 80% by 2050. That didn't go anywhere. What's the holdup at the government level when it comes to forcing those types of regulations? It's really hard to explain why the commissioners have not yet moved forward with a 50% renewable energy standard. There's been a proposal that some 27 different uh, nonprofit organizations put forward to the Corporation Commission um, for a 50% renewable energy standard. The commission has had that on their table, had that on their desk for you know at, at least six months now, and yet hasn't moved forward. So I certainly would call on the commissioners to move forward with a standard of 50% that would cover all of the utilities. You know, while the, some of the utilities like APS are, are making these sort of voluntary commitments, they are still just that. They're voluntary, non-mandatory commitments. And when a new CEO comes in at these utilities, they could certainly roll back those commitments. So it's important for there to be a law, a standard that says to the utilities, you must hit these targets by this date, and we're going to hold you legally accountable for doing that. We're talking with Chris Mays. She's a former member of the Arizona Corporation Commission and is now a professor at Arizona State University. When it comes to the plan that APS has put forward, they're asking for a rate increase. TEP is asking for a rate increase, and both companies have tied these requests back to the need to expand renewable energy. Are those justified? Those claims are a little bit misleading. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the requests by the utilities all actually have to do with their fossil uh, uh, fleets. So, for instance, in the case of APS, they're trying to get cost recovery of some scrubbers that they put on the Four Corners power plant, which is a coal plant. In the case of TEP, they're, they're saying that because they're overall number of customers has increased and because they had they went ahead and built some natural gas uh, plants down there in Tucson they they need to raise rates well I think uh, the regulators are going to have to ask the question the corporation commission will have to ask the question is that entire rate increase justified given that that's a natural gas plant were there uh, better choices that TEP could have made uh, that were less expensive. When we were talking about the renewable energy standard earlier that you had authored, one of the things you mentioned was rooftop solar. With APS and TEP starting to get into more and more renewables is and the change in net metering, is rooftop a, a thing of the past? No, I think rooftop solar energy is not a thing of the past, and I think it's going to continue to be a strong 
option and choice for consumers. We know, for instance, that despite the fact that the utilities in Arizona attempted to kill solar energy in Arizona, or rooftop solar, they failed in that regard. They actually uh, did not, uh, the commission did not implement the proposal that the utilities wanted to do, which would have totally gutted net metering. Rather, they ended up with a value of solar tariff that still does compensate rooftop solar owners for the energy that they're producing. So, you know, much of the state of Arizona remains pretty strong for rooftop solar. We're still third or fourth uh, in the country as a market. Arizona is one of about a dozen states where commissioners, energy regulating commissions are elected. We've now got bills in the state house and Senate that would take that away and, and make uh, those commissioner positions appointed by the governor. Is that a good idea? It's a terrible idea, actually. And I, I can't believe that the people of Arizona are going to vote to take away their own vote. So I, I certainly hope this, this idea is not coming from the utilities. One, one has to wonder uh, where this is coming from, where this bill actually originated. I would be deeply disappointed if, for instance, I found out that APS was behind this. It's something that they had proposed in the past. It's just a court packing scheme, I think, and would essentially eliminate the ability of Arizonans to choose their regulators. You know, we in this state are one of only a few states that actually elect their commissions. Um, This would basically destroy the independence of the Corporation Commission and I think eliminate uh, the ability of Arizonans to decide who uh, they want to, to be regulating their utilities. What about the argument that we've we've seen come up in the past where utilities like APS have put a lot of money into elections that APS has got too much influence and they're doing it outside, so why not give it to the governor? Well, I, the problem is this actually gives APS more of an opportunity to influence the elections uh, by basically getting involved in the gubernatorial elections. So all the utilities would have to do, and it would be even less transparent than it is now, uh, was is is to get involved in a governor's race and uh, and then tell basically t- turn around and try to tell the governor who to appoint to the corporation commission. The answer for this is for the utilities to behave themselves and not get involved in elections for the Corporation Commission. All right. Thanks for sitting down with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. That was Chris Mays, a former Arizona Corporation Commissioner and renewable energy advocate. The Arizona Corporation Commission declined our interview request due to the ongoing rate case hearings. In a statement, the commission said it's in the process of revising its renewable energy standard and tariff rules and may modify those requirements during rulemaking. And that's the buzz for this week. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor with help this week from Vanessa Ontiveros. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.